you for taking the time to listen to this sermon from Seekers Christian Fellowship. We believe that God's Word completes the believer, making them fully equipped men and women of God, ready for every good work. It is our prayer that through this message, you're challenged by the Word of God, built up in love for God and one another, conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. Good morning, church. Let's have a word of prayer, please. Father, again, we come before your throne and ask, Heavenly Father, as we look into your word, your words are written for us that we are able to dive in and understand what you have for us today. We pray and ask that hearts will be in tune with you for what you want to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Coming to the end of the Gospel of John, we have been tremendously blessed going through this Gospel. And as we follow John along, what he has to say to us, he focuses his attention on who Jesus is, and by believing the evidences that he provides, that Jesus is the Christ, he is the Son of God, the Anointed One, one can have life in his name. Now John selected some of Jesus' miracles that are sufficient in supporting the claims he's making when it comes to Jesus and the reason why he came to earth. So as he penned his inspiring words, he held firmly to the basic and foundational truth that God desires for sinners to know. The essential truths are the prerequisites in understanding, to believe in order to have salvation. Such as, who is Jesus? Now John says Jesus is the Christ, the promised, anointed Messiah sent by God to save sinners. Jesus himself confirmed that truth that he is the promised anointed one, at his trial, when the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. God himself confirmed who Jesus is about this truth. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So we get it from Jesus himself. We get it from God himself, who Jesus is, the Christ, the anointed Messiah. The Son of God. 
And in regards to eternal life in His name, Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Thomas, in that setting, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Thomas has questions. Lord, how can we know the way? That was Thomas' question. So from the passage we are looking at, Thomas is at it again, struggling personally with some things he doesn't understand and he wants some answers. Back in verse 9, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. They saw the empty tomb. The disciples did not put things together because of lack of understanding. That Jesus must rise from the dead. So what they did, they all went back to their home and carry on with their lives as before. Now moving down to verses 24 and 25. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with the disciples when Jesus came the first time. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Thomas demands tangible evidence. Thomas went beyond what the disciples told him. He wanted to see the evidence for himself that Jesus is alive. You know, church, the gracious Lord may at times have to give us a boost to draw us in. Thomas is often remembered as the doubting Thomas, but his doubt had a purpose. He wanted to know the truth. He wanted to see the evidence for himself, like many of us at times who have questions about spiritual matters. We don't know why Thomas was absent the first time when Jesus appeared before the other disciples after the resurrection, but we do know there's a message for the Thomases in the world. Most likely, he was disappointed, discouraged, and upset what happened to his rabbi. He struggled to be faithful with what he knew, like many of us today. After all, he saw the things his master did and ended up being treated as a criminal. He may have felt betrayed, broken, forsaken, for he left everything to follow this man he called a rabbi and now is crucified. All his hopes 
and expectations following Jesus was falling apart. And only he knew what's going on inside of him. What's the use meeting together with friends when the leader is no more? His hopes may have been crushed. His hearts may have been torn and was not in a socializing mood. When we are discouraged and sometimes defeated, we need our friends. We need our fellow believers all the more. Solitude only feeds discouragement, which grows into self-pity, and the devil loves isolated self-pity believers. Hebrews informs us, and let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The scripture called on believers not to be in isolation, but to be in community to encourage one another. Thomas was not there with the other disciples and missed out seeing Jesus and had to endure a week of fear and unbelief when he could have been experiencing joy and peace seeing his Lord and Master alive. But he wasn't there. You never know what spiritual blessings you might miss or be missing out on when you're not gathered together with God's people. In facing life, we feed from God's word and we feed from the encouragement of one another. Thomas so often been remembered, as we remember him, as the doubting Thomas. But his doubt had a purpose. He wants to know the truth. Silent doubt rarely finds answers. Doubt can be used to pose questions, to get answers, and then make a decision. Doubt can do that. In verse 25, the disciples saw Jesus and saw his hands and his sides, but Thomas refused to get his hopes up. He's not going there. So in verse 25, so in verse 25, Thomas made a request. He said, listen guys, unless I see this his hands, not one hand, I want to see both. Both of them and I want to see the mark in his the nail marks in his hand. And I want to place my finger into the mark of the nails. He's getting technical now. And also, I want to place my hand into his side. Unless I can do that, forget it. I'm not interested. I will never believe. 
doubting was Thomas' way of responding until given reasons to believe. And in verse 26, the next Sunday, something happened. What was troubling Thomas is about to unfold. Thomas wants to see for himself. He wants his own proof. He wants his own testimony. Eight days after Thomas' request, Jesus showed up among the disciples. With the doors locked and greeted them, Peace be with you. Like most of us today, like most people in that day, Thomas had two names. Thomas in Aramaic and Didymus in Greek. He was a twin. Most of us at times operate like his twin when it comes to our relationship with God. He often, how often some of us refused to believe and insisted that God prove himself to us. The way we lay down conditions for the Lord to meet in order to believe and to serve. The Lord may or may not oblige to a request. He may or may not. God wants to use Gideon to free his people. Gideon responds, <laughs> I'm not risking my life. I want proof. If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, behold, I'm laying a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece alone and it is dry all around, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so. When he rose early next morning and squeezed the fleece, he wrung enough dew from the fleece to fill a bowl with water. Then Gideon said to God, let not your anger burn against me. Let me speak just once more. Please let me test just once more with the fleece. Please let it be dry on the fleece only. And all around the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night. And it was dry on the fleece only. And on all the ground there was dew. How many of us are like Gideon? We lay down our conditions and we want proof. And nothing wrong with that. In Exodus 33, 12, Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? Remember God, these people, remember this nation is your people, not mine. 
Moses not going anywhere until God gives him the evidence. God allowed Moses to hear and to see his back, confirming that he will go with him and the Israelites. I know someone personally who sincerely wants to know the truth and proceeds by asking God for some evidence. Growing up and practicing her faith, believing in the one God in Islam, set out to find her spiritual destiny. Asking God how the Christians have three gods, as we were singing the song this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And how can Jesus be Savior when her religion teaches her he's only a prophet? God sees the desire of her sincere heart and showed up in a big way and turned her life around 180 degrees. How did that happen? The Lord Jesus showed up in a vision, standing in the sky and showing her his hands, only to put her vision into reality when she soon read, after investigating the Bible, that Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am life. Like Gideon, she made a second request just to make sure what she saw. If you are who you are showing me to be, then I have one more request. I will attend the church service for the first time in my life, and if I hear two songs, I will believe that it is you I saw in the vision. The worship leader closed the service with one of the songs she requested at the 11 a.m. service. She was determined to challenge God in a good way by being persistent and made effort going back at the evening service. At the end of the service, the same song they sang to close the morning service, they sang again, which is not usual. Then the pastor said that this evening, we will sing another song as well to close the service. That two songs... The young lady requested amazing grace and, and just as I am without one plea, both of them. And the first time attending a church service, having received her request made by God, she walked down the aisle and received Christ as her Savior and Lord and baptized a week later. Everyone who believes that Jesus is a Christ is born of God. And now she's with the Lord, seeing his glory forever. She wasn't in doubt. She was in unbelief and needs to see the evidence coming from her background and her religion. Church, God rewards those who earnestly seek him and works with those according to his will and purpose. God sees the heart. We call him Doubting Thomas. That's what we call him. And rightly so. But Jesus did not rebuke him for his doubts 
because he knows what was happening inside Thomas's heart. Thomas was confused. He did not understand, even though Jesus spoke the grave language to all of them, many times they didn't get it. Mark tells us about that, Mark 9. Because he was teaching his disciples, he said to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. You have questions, ask. Don't be afraid to ask your questions. If not, you can suffer for it for a long time. Thomas helps us to see the process from doubt to believe. He should have been excited to hear what his fellow disciples told him. We don't have to wait for a vision. You may or you may not get one. However, you may be prompted by the Holy Spirit even today. God is calling you to believe His written words. As John says, these are written that you may believe. It is not easy to understand the psychology of doubt and unbelief. Perhaps it's linked to our personality traits. Doubt is to be uncertain about something. Thomas' words helps us to understand the difference between doubt and unbelief and the process involved. That's where this is going. Doubt says, I cannot believe because there are some things that need ironing out. Unbelief says, I will not believe unless I have evidence. Thomas was probably so depressed that he was ready to quit. So he threw out the challenge and never expect God to take him up on his challenge. And now, by his own words, the evidence is right before him and he has to make a decision. At times in our life, at times in our state of mind, we need a little boost. And in verse 29, it appears that Thomas' testimony did not come from touching Jesus' hand and side, as he said, but just from seeing him alive. Everything Thomas was taught and saw Jesus did was confirmed at that moment when he exclaimed, My Lord and my God, Yahweh Elohim, it is really you, my Lord and my God, and not a ghost. He got it at that time. It is an encouragement for us to know that the Lord had a personal interest in Thomas concerning his doubt. And God has a personal interest in each one of you as well. Jesus wanted to strengthen Thomas in the blessings that lay ahead in store for him and for all followers to come. You and I both. 
Thomas reminds us that unbelief robs us of the blessings and opportunities. Sometimes we lay down too much condition, too many conditions to come to the Lord and to serve the Lord. And Thomas reminds us that unbelief robs us of the blessings and the opportunities. Among humanity, there are two camps, if I may. Hard hearts and searching hearts. When it comes to saving faith. Hebrews 11.6 informs us, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. In verse 27, Jesus was aware of Thomas' words. Nobody had to snitch on him by reporting things to Jesus. For Jesus knows our hearts and our minds. So the next Sunday... On the Lord's day, the Lord appeared and dealt with Thomas's doubt and unbelief in a gracious way, lifting him out of his unbelief as the Lord granted Gideon and the young lady in their test of faith. We read these Bible stories, we read these Bible characters and think they are so far-fetched from us. But remember, saints, there are people just like you and I, and they have their struggles as well. And the encouragement as we go through life, as we go through life, the encouragement from Scripture in Romans 15, 4, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So that through the endurance taught in the Scripture and the encouragement they provide, we may have hope. The Christian life is a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ confirm that. And as the Lord granted Gideon his request, the Lord granted Thomas as well his request. Thomas needed no more proof. Some people need to doubt before they believe. And that's understandable. If doubt leads to questions. And question leads to answers. Then doubt has done its work. When in doubt. Let doubt deepen your faith. As you continue earnestly. To look for answers. And answers will come. If you seek earnestly. It is when doubt moves to stubbornness, then stubbornness will doubt even the truth. The Lord saw a dangerous process at work in Thomas's heart, and he put a stop to it. Hebrews again reminds us, Hebrews 3.12, Take care, brothers, let's, let, let's there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. And in verse 29, Jesus said to Thomas, 
Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Faith precedes sight. Faith precedes sight. Faith is only good as the object of faith. And the greatest object of faith is the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Christ, the Son of the living God, as John is telling us. And in verse 30, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these were written that you may believe. And John listed seven miracles from the water to the wine to raising Lazarus from the dead. But the final and the greatest sign John wants his readers to know is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. Which proves that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Son of God. As he closes this portion of the scripture. For salvation is found in no one else. For is for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. True life starts with salvation. When you're born again, you die once. When you're not born again, you die twice. Physical death and eternal death. John is saying... What is written is sufficient for eternal life. This is all the sinner needs to believe and put into practice when it comes to personal faith. So the question we ask ourselves, what's holding you back moving forward? To the unbeliever's I'll say, if you haven't come to faith yet in Jesus Christ, what doubts are holding you back towards a personal faith in Jesus' name? If that is so, talk to us. Talk to one of the leaders. Talk to the pastors or someone you have confidence in who knows the scripture. And to the believer... What doubts are you struggling with that is holding you back towards a healthier spiritual life? Again, talk to the leaders or someone you have confidence with in the scripture. You see, life in Jesus' name encompasses salvation and a transformed life here at the present moment. Come to me, all who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is saying, come, let's do life together. Come, let's do life together. Here now on earth and will continue when the kingdom comes in its fullness. In verse 31, all has to be done in Jesus' name, in His name. God's name is in Jesus. As Jesus said, believe in God, also believe in me, the Father 
and I are one. Throughout John's gospel, we heard enough through all the messages. We have seen enough. It's time to make a decision if you are outside the kingdom. John 3.36, he talks about this before, early in the, in the gospel. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Obedience is the outworking of genuine salvation. When Jesus walked this earth, crowds followed him. They were looking for the fish and bread and the miracles, but Jesus was looking for disciples. And John is saying, what is written is sufficient to believe for eternal life. Amen.